the children are dismissed. Amen. If you have your Bibles, if you would go to 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4. And this should be a two-parter. Amen. Oh, you look so nice today. Amen. You love the Lord? And He's been good to you? Amen. That's it. He's been good. Don't keep it to yourself. Let that thing out. Amen. Let the world know. Jesus is good. Oh, taste and see. I've tasted. I've seen. He is good. Amen. First Thessalonians 4, if you would begin with verse 13. Brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. We believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in Him. According to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left to the coming of the Lord will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord Himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. Can you say amen? It will be part one. The comfort or the encouragement of His coming. The comfort, the encouragement of His coming. Father, we thank You for Your Word. Allow these beautiful truths, these revelations, stir our faith, steady our minds, And anoint us with a fresh passion to be found faithful, working, watching when you come. In Jesus' name, and everyone said. This morning, we want to look at the question that this young church had concerning believers that had already died. What would their role be, if any, in the coming, in the return of the Lord? They were concerned about their loved ones in Christ that had died. Now, they believe the first part of verse 14, that Jesus died and rose again. But they failed to grasp, or maybe they had not been thoroughly instructed, of the far-reaching implications of Jesus' death and resurrection. So now, like Paul Harvey, Paul the Apostle, wants to give them the rest of the story. You see, as believers, not even death can separate you and I from the Lord Jesus. In life and in death, the Christian is in Christ. This is a union that nothing can break. Death, as we know, is a fact of life. It's an appointment. It's not an accident. Hebrews 9 and 27 tells us it's appointed for a man one time to die, and then he faces, and it is appointed for men to die once, but then after this, the judgment. So we recognize death It's a fact of life. It's an appointment. It's not an accident. But not even in death, not even death 
can snatch you and I out of the hands of our Lord and Savior. Now, the pagan world of Paul's day, for the most part, had no real hope of life after death. I mean, no word of true comfort and assurance for the most part. Like so many today who do not know the Lord, who do not really know what it is to have their sins forgiven, washed, cleansed in that precious blood. Those that have no assurance of what awaits them when they take their last breath here and open their eyes before a holy and an awesome God. What a difference there is between the Christian's blessed assurance opposed to those who are uncertain or even worse, are deceived about their eternal destiny. You can have degrees, you can have a lot of training and experience, but one thing you better know that you know, that when you close your eyes here, you're going to open them, and you'll be at peace with the living God. That when you breathe your last breath here, you're not wondering, you're not taking it from what someone else said or what some priest proclaimed, but you know personally Jesus Christ, you've given Him your life, you received His salvation, and you have the blessed assurance of the redeemed. Can you say amen? amen. This young church was concerned about the saints that had died. Would they miss out on what was to come? Paul had been telling them, about Christ's return and all that was going to happen. And they began to wonder, well, what about our brothers and sisters that died? Are they going to miss this? They were battling confusion. They were battling sorrow. And Paul writes these six verses to encourage and comfort their hearts. And I pray it does the same with us today. By God's grace, we break it up into two weeks, four parts. Number one, revelation. Revelation. We have been given God's truth. Concerning life and death, eternity, the future, the present hour, we have been given the revelation of God. But secondly, the return. We are confident of Christ's return. We're not wondering, we don't have a wishful thinking, we know that Jesus Christ is coming again. And we will be changed when we see Him. And it will not always be like this in this world. The Savior is coming. Number three, we'll look at the rapture, being caught up. Those that are alive when Christ comes, caught up. Oh, what a moment that'll be. And then lastly, reunion. Reunion. We will be united not only with the Lord forever, but united with our loved ones in the Lord that have gone on before us. What a day that will be. Number one this morning, let's take a look at Revelation. We have God's truth. We have God's truth. You see, um, the question of death, of life after, has really been a riddle, a mystery, an anxiety from the beginning. I mean, philosophy, religion, even science has tried and wrestled with this question. But Paul solves the problem for us when he writes in verse 15, according to the Lord's own word. Or like the New King James would say, For this we say to you by the Word of the Lord. Not by a professor of philosophy. Not by a bishop. But by the Word of God Himself, we reveal or explain to you what is and what shall come. Paul begins his message of encouragement by delivering the readers from the grief and the sorrow and the, um, the mystery experienced by the rest of men that have no hope. 
that have no confident assurance and expectation of what awaits of eternity of the future. It's wonderful that as believers, we don't have to settle for wishful thinking. For as believers, we have, I know in whom I have believed in. We have and I know in the risen Christ. I know Him, for I've met Him and He lives within my heart. Christian, you don't have to wonder about death and the life after. Because we have a clear revelation from God. The Almighty has spoken. He has not been silent. So we ask, why settle for human speculation when you and I have divine revelation? Hence, verse 13, therefore, Paul says, I don't want you to be ignorant, brothers. And Paul says this often in his letters. And it's not being, he's not being condescending. He prefaces it lovingly, affectionate. Brothers, brothers, he's talking. He doesn't, I don't want you unlearned. I don't want you instructed in these areas because we know ignorance kills and my people perish for a lack of knowledge. But Paul says, I don't want you to be ignorant, brothers, or uninformed, lacking or being without knowledge concerning those who have fallen asleep. Fallen asleep. That metaphor for the Christian's death. Close our eyes here. We open them in glory. What a beautiful thing it is. That body goes to sleep. That spirit automatically in the presence of the Lord. Absent from that body. Present with the Lord. No waiting. Don't pass go. Don't collect to No, no. Boom. Hallelujah. The world is ignorant. They're unlearned. Uninstructed. Concerning life and death, eternity, salvation. In fact, the Bible tells us that their hearts and minds are spiritually darkened. They're darkened in their understanding. That's the unbeliever. Paul explains this in 2 Corinthians 4, in verse 4. He says how the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers. Here it is. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see or understand, perceive, recognize the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. Who is the image of God? Now that's why for the unbeliever, there's, there's so much um, fear, false hopes. There's so much irreverence. Deceptions, misconceptions abound concerning the will, the way, the truth of God. Future, eternity, life. For whoever rejects God and rejects His gospel rejects His truth and rejects His revelation. And they bring upon themselves, as the Bible would describe it, a spiritual or mental blindness, confusion, a darkness of their understanding. For the Bible says, Jesus said to Himself, unless you're born again, you can't see the kingdom. With your heart, the perception of seeing and understanding of the heart, unless you're born again, you can't understand the things of God. You can't understand... But you and I who know the Lord, we're not like other men. We're not like those that have not come to the bleeding side of Calvary. In fact, you that know Jesus, you are a new creature now. You've been born from above. You um, are now children of light, not of darkness. And you've received the revelation of God's truth. Your hearts and minds have been illuminated by God's Spirit. Your life has been instructed by God's Word. And you and I have received and now we walk 
in the truth and revelation of the living God. And the Lord says to His people, in all facets of life, know My ways, understand My will, be instructed by My Word and apply My truth. Build your life and let your view of life and of eternity go through the lens of My written Word that you will have clarity and understanding, not darkness and not confusion. Can you say amen? In every facet of life, let there be a knowing. Let there be an applying. Let there be receiving. Let there be a walking it out. Be not ignorant, need not unlearned or unintelligent concerning the things of God. From finances to family, what does the Bible say? From faith to the future, what has the Almighty revealed? From peace to promotion. From relationships to riches. From wisdom to work. On and on. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 12, I don't want you ignorant concerning spiritual gifts. Paul says in 2 Corinthians, he says, listen, we're not ignorant of Satan's devices. So whatever it is in this life or the life to come, we have received the revelation of God through His Word so we can walk and not stumble, so we can live a blessed life, so we can live according to the will and the way and the principles and the plans of the living God. Somebody say Amen. Now, this is important. This is important. I was thinking the other day, I read a story. A preacher, his cell phone was giving him problems, and he went into a store to get a different one, and they gave him pretty much the same model, um, a new one, newer model, but the same thing he had. And he said, I walked away and went home and flipped the numbers over, and everything was good. And uh, about a month or so later, I noticed in the small box that the phone came in, there was a small but thick book. That the phone came in. I didn't look at it before. And I decided to thumb through it. He said I was blown away. I was stupefied. (laughs) Of all the stuff this phone could do. Its capabilities were far beyond my expectations. Because fundamentally for me, a phone is just for making calls, receiving calls. But upon reading the book. Somebody say read the book. Upon reading the book, I discovered that it offered so much more. Without reading the book, I would just settle for the basic phone use. But upon reading the book, I discovered that far and beyond the basics, there was so much more I could have and understand and use. Young people, young in the Lord people, Take full advantage of the Word of God. It's His revelation for our lives. And it's more than just finding out how to get forgiven and going to heaven someday. It's God giving us His principles, His plans, His promises, His warnings, His instructions that we might live a blessed life, an overcoming life, an abundant life, a more than conquering life. Can somebody say amen? So somebody read the book, read the book, read the book. Take advantage of the revelation of God and apply it to every area of your life. And walk in the light. Don't stumble in the darkness. Give me an amen, please. After John 3.16, some people don't know their A from their Z. And that's why you struggle in areas when you've got the revelation from God. 
God said, don't be ignorant. Learn what I said about that situation and walk in it. Don't be ignorant. Learn how I designed that thing to work and line up your life with my divine design. It'll work a whole lot better that way. Can you say amen? You've got a universe that's trying to ask God for blessing, but ignoring God's direction. It will not work. It cannot work. we got some Christians, they never grow in God because they've chosen to pick and choose the measure of God's revealed Word that they want to pay attention to or listen to. And I can only go as far as I understand is God's will and God's way. Because faith begins where the will of God is known. And if I don't know His will, it's hard to use my faith. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. So if you're a young person, that Bible is more than just religious stories that tells you about Jesus dying for your sins so you can go to heaven someday. It's going to tell you how to have a blessed marriage if you want one. It's going to tell you how to have, be a blessed on the job if you want the blessing on the job. It's going to teach you how to walk in peace. It's going to teach you how to have joy in the good times and joy in the bad. It's going to teach you how to fight the good fight of faith. And when hell tries to take you down, others can fall aside. But if you know your Bible, you'll know how to put on the whole armor of God. And take your stand, having done all the stand. And when the smoke clears, you and Jesus will be in the winner's circle every time. Come on, say amen. The Bible, the Bible, the Bible, the Bible. Thank God He gave us a book. He gave us a revelation. I don't want you ignorant. Unlearn. But receive what God has said. And walk in the light that God has given. Praise the Lord. Now, verse 13, specifically Paul He's writing concerning those who have fallen asleep. They were not taught this. They did not understand this part of God's plan. What about those that died in the Lord? So Paul needed to explain some things to settle their sorrow and take away their confusion. We understand that when Jesus died and rose again, He defeated the grave and destroyed the power of death. And those believers who have fallen asleep, are with Christ presently, presently, absent from the body, present with the Lord. So we don't have to sorrow about those that know the Lord and have already passed. We know where they're at. They're in His presence. They're not lost. They're not lost when you know where they are. They're in the presence of the Lord. And in the future, when Jesus returns, they're not going to miss out on anything. But they're coming back with Him. Those believers who have fallen asleep are with Christ presently and shall return with Him futurely when He comes again. They won't miss out. And you and I this morning, we give praise for what we know and what we are sure of, fully convinced of, because of all that Jesus has done for us. We are completely confident. We have a blessed and eternal assurance because we know in whom we have believed in. We know and understand what happened on Calvary's cross when they beat Him and spit on Him and mocked Him. We know what was going on when He stood there, the Son of the living God, naked, hanging between heaven and earth. We understand now through revelation what was happening in that hour. The disciples didn't, they ran. The disciples didn't, their world fell apart. But we look back with the revelation, understanding that was the Lamb of God taking upon Him the sin 
sins of the world, my sin and your sin. We understand He went in the grave, but the grave couldn't hold Him. We understand that death tried to keep Him, but death couldn't hold Him. We understand He lives today and rules and reigns forevermore. And in Him, we place our trust in Him. We have great hope. Can you say amen? Because of all that Jesus has done, we know death has been defeated, so don't fear it. We know that we shall live forever. Believe it. We know that nothing shall ever separate us from our Savior. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad because of it. We know that death has been defeated. Don't fear it. Second Timothy 1. In verse 10, 2 Timothy 1 and verse 10, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior who has destroyed death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Don't fear it. Jesus has abolished death. That means He has rendered it inoperable in our lives. And it's through the gospel of Christ we receive that victory. We understand what He accomplished. Therefore, death has been defeated. Don't fear it. Secondly, we're going to live forever. Believe that. Believe that. Don't let it, don't let doubt come against you. Don't let fear try to antagonize you. We that have put our faith in the risen Christ, death no longer has a hold of our lives. Oh, glory be to His name. John's Gospel, the 11th chapter, verses 25 and 26. Jesus said this Himself. Jesus said, I am the resurrection, and the life. My Lord is not a day, it's a person. And we've met Him. His Spirit lives within us. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in Me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in Me. Anybody believe in Jesus? Anybody believe He died for you? Anybody believe? Anybody believe? He says, anyone who believes in Me shall never die. Do you believe this? I believe it. Oh, I believe it. I'm going to believe it. I'm going to believe it. And nothing shall ever separate us from our Savior. Rejoice in that. And Paul's able to write, I am convinced. Romans 8, 38, 39, I am convinced. He begins, neither death, nor life, nor anything will ever separate me from the love of God. That is in Christ Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. A revelation concerning death, concerning those that have gone before us, the future, concerning what awaits. Let there be no mystery. Let there be no anxiety for the believer. But let God's clear truth comfort you and encourage you and direct you as you live in this present hour. Revelation. God's revelation that comforts the heart. Inspires our faith. Directs our actions. You know, years ago, there was a show called Early Edition. I, used to like, I like Chicago, so I used to like watch this guy run around Chicago. But he, he would get tomorrow's newspaper today. And so he could read it, and they'd go out today and solve a whole lot of problems. Because he had... Uh, Information, revelation of the future. Now, co-workers didn't have that. Family members, you know, we, we've got revelation. We have, we have, we, we know what's happening. We know what's coming. We have, and, and because we have that, 
we, we, we live different today because we know what's coming tomorrow. Because we have that. We, we can face things with a different courage. We can face things with, with a different peace. We can face things that the world gives up on in the world. They just lose and they, they fall apart and they collapse because they have no revelation of what's coming. But we that know the Lord, we, we, we have um, tomorrow's news today and we can see in the Word. And it affects how we feel. It affects how we face life. It affects how we spend our lives in this present moment. We are not only just waiting for Christ, Christ. We are watching for Christ. And while we are working for Christ, because we recognize He is coming again. It might be sooner than anything, but when He comes, I don't want to be found slumbering. I don't want to be found straying. I want to be found pure and holy in His sight. I want to be found faithful in doing His work. Oh, child of God, Jesus is coming. It's not time to get complacent, nor is it time to get casual. But it's time to say, Lord, I'm going to live my life like you might be coming before the end of this service. I'm going to live right and I'm going to find my place of service. And when you come, let me be faithful in the task you have given me. Somebody give Jesus an amen. Amen. Revelation. You know, Revelation brings responsibility. It's a dangerous thing to brag about knowing that Bible. used to do a lot of personal evangelism when I was younger. Because I know that Bible. I said, they ought to scare you to death. You're living like hell. There's a bigger judgment for you. Oh, they lost it there. Well, the more you know, the more you get judged by. Revelation brings responsibility. And so we have the revelation. So on one point, it brings great comfort and peace. Because we do have a blessed assurance. It's not a blessed hope, it's a blessed assurance. We know in whom we have believed in. We are persuaded that he is able to keep that which is. Okay. But on the same token, because I have revelation, I have responsibility. Because I can't say I didn't know. I know what he expects. I know what he requires. I know what he demands. So you, know, you can get away with that. Dad comes home, but you didn't tell me. And Dad's thinking, oh, you had enough common sense, boy, to know that. But, you know. How we played dumb when we're young. Anybody? Come on. I know you were there. Yeah, two hands. All right. We played dumb when we're young. But, but, but when he writes it out and he gives you clear instruction, before I get home, one, two, three, and then there are no excuses there, is there? You had clear revelation, so you had clear responsibility, so there's no excuse. So with revelation comes great rejoicing in what I know and what I understand is coming, and what I know I presently possess, but it also brings a responsibility to live according to the desires and will of my Savior and my King. Somebody say amen. Revelation. Oh, my goodness. And the last one's return. And that's all we can stop. We've got to do the next, next week. Come back for rapture. Amen. You get rapture. Hallelujah. Amen. I've got to squeeze this together. Return. The next one's return. Let me just give you the beginning of it. Jesus is coming again, verses 14 through 17. And this should be the greatest of comforts and encouragements for the Christian, that Jesus is coming again. It requires that we receive Him, that we respond to His call. 
that we accept Him, put our faith in Him, surrender our lives to Him. But for those who have chosen and responded to the call of God, it's a reason of comfort. It's a reason of comfort. But it's also a basis of confidence. We know it won't always be like this. And I can't get deep into it, but verse 14 is going to say, Jesus died. He didn't sleep. He died. So you and I will never have to die. He endured that wrath. So you and I can enjoy a great salvation. And we'll get into that. And those of us that know He's coming again, it should give us a joyful expectation. We're not mourning the day when He comes. We're crying out, Oh Lord, come. Come quicker, man. Come sooner. Speed it up, Jesus. Speed it up. This when He comes, when He comes, out of all the wonderful things that will happen, no more abuse, no more abandonment, no more... He deals with those things, but we will be changed. Twinkling of an eye. Philippians 3. 20 and 21. We're just going to walk through these and then we're going to close. Look at this. Philippians 3. Our citizenship is in heaven. Amen? And we eagerly await. Man, we eagerly await. We want the Lord to come. We eagerly await a Savior from there. His name is the Lord Jesus Christ. And when He comes, who by the power that enables Him to bring everything under His control will transform our lowly bodies so they'll be like His glorious body. What a day that will be. What a day that will be. 1 John 3 and 2. 1 John 3 and 2. This is wonder. We shall be changed. Oh my, beloved. Now we are children of God and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know this. We know that when He is revealed, we shall be like Him. For we will see Him as He is. Woo! My goodness. One more, one more, one more. We close it. 1 Corinthians 15. 51 and 52. Behold, this is Paul writing again. I'll tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. Ooh, some of them, some of us might not. We might not die that natural. We might, we, we might get, we, I tell you the truth, a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, that's why you gotta live ready. There'll be no time to get ready. If you're not ready, you'll miss it. This is in a moment. Amen. In a moment. In the twinkling of an eye, the last trump at the last, for the trump will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. Wow. We got to dig into this all next time. Oh, isn't it wonderful to be a Christian? Isn't it wonderful to have a blessed assurance in the here and now, but also knowing what is to come. The best is yet to come. It won't always be like this. Praise the Lord. Christian, I pray that we can be comforted concerning our loved ones in the Lord that have gone home. They're with Jesus. They're with the Lord. They're doing fine. Trust me, they're doing fine. And when He comes back, they're going to come back with Him. And then we shall be united again. What a thought that is. Amen? What a thought that is. And as we live, as we live, we should be looking because on God's prophetic calendar, nothing else has to be done before this rapture takes place. I mean, as those of us that are alive, that are living for the Lord, any moment, the rapture could take place. So don't be left behind.
Don't be caught in unbelief. Live a ready life. Live a ready life. And thirdly, and we should be not only looking, but living for the Lord. If we believe He could come at any time, then we should not be coasting, but we should be faithful, working, evangelizing, carrying out the gospel, fulfilling our divine task. Can you say amen? So we close. Number one, if you're not ready to meet the Lord right now, don't leave here until you are. That's easy enough, isn't it? If you're not ready to meet Him, don't leave. Come down to the altar and pray with someone. Make sure things are right. There's no purgatory. There's no second chance. You've got to be ready. But secondly, the rest of us, let our hearts be comforted and let our faith be fueled. We have a job to do until Jesus comes. Let us be found ready and let us be found working. Let us be found working. And lastly, of course, if you have a special prayer need, we'll pray with you. Stand with me, please, and we're going to pray the final prayer. Open the altars. The people can come and receive prayer and call on the Lord to be touched by God. And Heavenly Father, we thank you for the revelation of divine truth that you have given us in your word. We thank you, Lord, you have not left us ignorant, in darkness, lacking understanding, but your word gives us light. Thy word is a lamp unto our feet. Light into our pathway. We thank you for that, Lord. Father God, help us to take full advantage of the revelation you've given us. To be wise and an understanding people. Help us, O oh God, that we might know you better. We might know you personally and intimately. That we might live in a way that our lives are pleasing you. And that when that day comes, we will be found ready. Now, Father God, please touch lives. Father, you know everyone that's here, every situation, every need. Father, in the name of Jesus, honor the faith of your dear ones. As they respond to you, stretch forth your mighty hand towards them. Meet their need, touch them at the point of their need, O God. Heal the hurting, refresh the weary. Receive the contrite and the repentant. And, oh God, I pray you'd breathe your fresh breath upon us now. That as we worship you, great refreshing and reviving would come to your redeemed. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, if you need prayer, come, come quickly, come and get things right.